0: Welcome to System & Soul, the podcast focused on the human energy that runs your business. I'm Chris White, along with my co-host... Benj Miller. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Jake, drop that beat. Three, two, one. Here we
1: go! Welcome everybody. We've got an awesome conversation today. We have Tim Spiker, author of the book, The Only Leaders Worth Following, one of the most important books that helped shape what System Insult is today for our clients. We're talking about how we spend our time, energy, and money in leadership development. We're talking about having a consistent leadership narrative and the idea of going first. I think you'll enjoy. Tim, we are pumped to have you here with us. We've talked about you before. We've talked about your book before. So before we get into all that, start us off with something super random and interesting about Tim Spiker.
2: Okay. I once hitchhiked, had to hitchhike, from the Taj Mahal to Delhi at night. In the middle of the night, and it also involved somebody
0: hot wiring a car.
1: All right, you can't right. leave us there.
0: <laughs> as, as Bill Murray would say, I want to party with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that sounds like the punchline. What's the setup?
2: Uh, the setup is I was on a basketball tour in India, and we had a day off. So we went to the Taj Mahal. And late in the day, well after dark, our bus broke down in the middle of nowhere in India, which will get your attention. We uh, decided we were going to split the team up into groups of threes and fours as cars came by on this rural Indian road to try to get people back to India. And a good part of this story that I didn't even mention in that lead in is that the first bus that pulled up our translator talked with him waved the bus on and we're like what are you doing we could have gotten a couple of guys on that bus and he said no the driver was drunk <laughs> so we did he just so thankfully he waved them on but then in groups of you know 3 or 4 we just started getting on various buses that were going the direction toward delhi the whole team split up we ended up at a uh, bus station I mean, if anybody's ever been to India, the sights and smells of India are remarkable, Um, life-changing. We got a taxi cab from the bus station back to our hotel and piled in a bunch of American basketball players. I mean, it looked like a clown car that we were on there. I was probably the smallest of everybody, but we were all still sardines in there. And somebody said, what is the driver doing? And because we'd had the most unbelievable trip, it didn't seem odd at all for me to turn to the back of them and say, he's hotwiring the car. And so <laughs> he hotwired the taxi cab. I don't know whose cab it was. Maybe that's just how he started it every time. But hours and hours and hours later. Oh, also, yes, somebody was throwing up on the bus that we were taking kind of back that we hopped. I mean, it was one crazy night. Everybody made it back to the hotel. Clearly, God was with us. So that's my story.
1: That sounds like some of the leadership teams I get to work with. One guy's hot wire in the car. <laughs> one guy's drunk. <laughs> We're not sure where one guy is at the moment. Uh, Good
0: thing the prison bus didn't come by. Yeah, we'll give you a lift. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. So I'm thankful. All that means is I'm very thankful to be with you here today. It could have... It could have turned out differently.
1: It could have ended right there. Tim, we we have a deep appreciation for you and your work, like we've talked about before, just in in the work with uh, the two attributes that makes an incredible leader. And thank you for being so open handed with that and letting us use that in our work. So, Tim, we're excited to have you as our very first guest on what we're calling season five of this podcast, as we've been through a few iterations. But as we gave you a heads up, here's our new format. We want to talk about the top three things that are on your mind today as you're navigating your work, working with leaders around this country. What are you seeing? What are you thinking about it? What are your top three things? All right. The first one is actually three words together,
2: time, energy, and money. The second one, by chance, is also three words consistent leadership narrative. And the third one is go
1: first. All right. I think I, I'm, you're sure you're not working like eight things into this, right? I promise.
2: Um, yes, yes. Okay. Promise.
1: All yeah. right. Time, energy, and money. What are you thinking about?
2: So you guys know what the data says that 77%, or if we went around it a little bit, three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you comes from who you are, not what you do. And these two big important things that make up who we are—that being inwardly sound and others focused. So it's one thing to say the research points to this, and we can unpack all the reasons why that may be. But the thing that that I want to spend a little time hearing from you guys about and talking about here is the idea is that if that's true, and I believe unquestionably it is for a variety of reasons, including the research. Then the three words that I mentioned were time, energy, and money. I would suggest to anybody listening that we need to be spending three quarters of our development, time, energy, and money on becoming more inwardly sound and others focused. And and yet when I look at the landscape, exactly 0% of organizations are doing that and there might be a few leaders who are doing it of their own volition which i applaud them but no organizations are taking that three quarters approach and i think for the ones that will have the guts up the guts to step up and do that 5 to 10 years it will be an incredible picture if they're starting to make that kind of investment but it takes all three time energy and money so that's my that's my opening statement on that one what are your guys thoughts
1: uh, super interesting. So I, I can see how uh, I I just personally, maybe not organizationally, but have started to prioritize all three of those in some form around that. And We could talk about how I'm doing that, but I'm curious uh, how you're seeing organizations invest in that because it feels like a good idea, uh, but it could also feel really hard or almost invasive. like. Uh, we don't want to get into people's space too much.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're starting to dip their toe in on this idea of who not what and say, okay, we're going to run a couple of, well, we're going to run a couple of groups through this idea. We're going to spend some time digging into inwardly sound and others focus. But when you when you step back and look at the, the landscape of all of their intentional leadership development, you don't see that ratio there. So it could be that, some of the concept is just kind of, even though they, this is what we hear, we hear that it's brand new and I've known it my entire life. That's it. That's like true simultaneously. So I think perhaps over time, people will start to get a little bit more towards a more uh, systematic approach to developing people and who they are and release on another's focus. But right now uh, they're trying
0: it out is what I've, what I've observed.
2: Tim, when
0: I when I think about um, three quarters of my focus is on time, energy, and money, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you can just take a little take us a little deeper there, right? Like like first blush, I get it. Uh, the three quarters, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like, am I spending three quarters of my time in those areas? I don't know, but to become inwardly sound. Right? This is where I, what I'm hearing, hey, if three quarters of your time or focus is on inwardly sound, is there a correlation? Like, so when, I, when you separate time and energy, mm-hmm. time, I get it. There's 24 hours in a day. Great. Mm-hmm. Energy. Talk to, talk to us about the energy part. Because I don't want to, I, I have a thought, but I don't want to make an assumption. But okay.
1: what do you, what are you referring to when you say energy? Well, can I clarify? Is its is it 75% of your time, energy, and money, or 75% of the time, energy, and money we would put into leadership development we should be prioritizing toward inwardly sound and others focus?
2: What you just said, Bench. That's what I'm talking about. When we think about, I want to become a better leader, and I want to do it intentionally and purposely. I want to do it not by happenstance, but very, very much on purpose. Then I'm going to invest some portion of my time, energy and money in becoming a more well-developed leader. And what I'm talking about is goes beyond just getting the job done. Every everybody gets the job done at a certain level. The question is, what am I doing beyond just the natural course of getting the job done that's going to help me get better? Of that portion, of that intentional portion where you could take a class on this or hire a coach for that or read a book on this, watch a watch a TED talk, put all of that together. And the research suggests that, that three quarters of that time, energy and money should go towards becoming a more well developed who becoming more inwardly sound and others focused of your development time, energy
1: and money. OK, so what's the so what's the first 10 percent if, if an organization's at zero? Which sounds mm-hmm. like your experience says most of them are, right? Mm-hmm. What What's the first? Like, what is the first best step? Like, how do people get started?
2: You know, I don't. I don't know if there is a first best step, but I would say the portion that most organizations have just a little bit of of toe in the water, although it's not usually because of any of this research, is the whole battery of assessments that exist to help us become more self-aware. Self-awareness is a big part of being inwardly sound. It's far from the only thing, but it is a big part. And most organizations have some type of, whether it's uh, DISC or MBTI or Enneagram or 360s, they have some version, especially as you go up the chain of command in the organization, some type of feedback mechanism that's going to help you take a step in self-awareness. And that's great that's good there are so many different assessments out there that are very valuable you know i don't have a dog in the hunt on one being significantly better than the others but but most organizations are doing something like that but when i think about the other let me just read off a few other aspects of inwardly sound and you can tell me whether you see organizations that are making a strident effort to move in this direction number one is principled are we doing any work in our organizations to become more principled. And I know that the next question is, well, what does that mean? And we might have a sense, but I'm just going to say courageous, honest, authentic, having integrity, and having grit. And what I see with our clients is, and it, all those five words, we like these five things create a principled person. Everybody nods their head, and everybody says, well, that's pretty simple until you start to work on it. And t- you start to work on it, and you think about, the definition that we use for integrity is doing what I say I will and proactively admitting what I don't. And now it starts to get interesting because in that definition is embedded the idea that none of us has a perfect follow-through ratio. So what does it mean to get out ahead of it and own it before somebody else finds it? What does that do to the integrity? And then we get into these conversations with people about well, what if I what if I drop the ball every single time? But I tell them ahead of time every single time. And I was like, well, okay, let let's talk about that. You may have a competency issue, not an integrity issue. But that's that's a different that's a different conversation. But ultimately, principled is the umbrella we're talking about here. What are organizations doing? Not lip service, but real, like down to the heart. What are they doing to help their leaders be more courageous? We could stop there, because that's such an incredibly valuable tool for a leader to be courageous what does it mean to step into those difficult conversations what does it mean to step into your own fear as a leader because courage doesn't exist without fear if you have zero fear then you're not courageous you're pathological and so that's a different that's a different conversation but my point is in any one of these five things i just mentioned under principled there's a deep dive that gets into the gray and difficulty pretty quickly when um uh, you know, when i I mentioned principle, a holistically healthy, now that's getting a little more play these days, but there's many aspects to it. It's not just physical health and it's not just mental health. Um, let me say a crazy thing here. Financial health is a part of being holistically healthy. When we look at eight aspects of life, financial is one of them. If I have leaders in my organization and we can look at all the statistics around consumer debt and begin to kind of understand, what is happening, at least in this Western society around that. But if you are living under the yoke of debt, constantly spending more than you have, let's not fool ourselves about what that's going to do to our stress levels, long-term cortisol levels. All of that comes into play. And so now I know more and more. I saw one just the other day. An organization says, actually it was this morning I saw it. I saw somebody saying, hey, we are proactively bringing to our organization financial literacy development because we want that type of health. So so kudos to them. But there's a number of different things around holistic health. We're seeing a little bit more of that. Here's a couple other ones. Purposeful, which is not about the company's purpose. It's about your individual purpose as a person. What kind of organizations are saying, our leaders are going to be more effective if they're showing up here every day, not just focused on organizational mission, but really clear on what they're personally doing with their lives and how does this job fit into that. I don't really find any organizations, frankly, that are proactively doing that. And then the last one that I'll mention here is probably the scariest and most complex at all. And it also, relatively speaking, gets a zero on the investment level and would be a 10 out of 10 on its impact if we were to do it. And that is, what does it mean to be a secure and settled leader? What is, it, Which is just, if you want to think about it, it's the opposite of being insecure. So I want to know how many organizations are developing experiences to help their leaders be less insecure, more settled in who they are, more confident in who they are. Not inflated, not pretending, but I see the real story about me and I'm more secure because I I'm telling you what insecurity is a leadership destroyer. Um, and almost nobody is 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 dealing with it. So I know I rambled through a bunch of different stuff there, but my point is precious little of what it means to be inwardly sound is systematically being vested in
1: through by organizations. Uh, man, I just I mean I'm a little bit encouraged because I think several of these system and soul is ushering these conversations into the workplace uh you know especially especially on the principled um the purposeful is interesting because as we teach the organization how to be purposeful we're putting tools in their hands and not every leader will pick them up but now they have the tools to take those home for themselves for their families and uh chris white and i talk all the time about the secure and settled because as a facilitator in the room, as a coach in the room, we can see it, how people respond <laughs> to certain issues. Like when, if you're the number one indicator, right? If they're defensive, like it's an absolute shutdown, the energy goes down, the trust goes down, the vulnerability in the room goes down. The, yeah. you know, and, and the antidote for that defensiveness in my mind is being secure and settled. And that, that you know, but man, that's hard. For a facilitator or coach to come in, and that—that's a long journey, right? It takes and, a lot and, of work.
0: And, and when you when you were telling us your description, um, I la- I landed on the word courage that you used because, funny enough, this year in twenty two, I'm giving my clients this book. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm holding up Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday. So he's a he's a, he, you know probably one of the most, the youngest, most foremost stoic uh, uh, interpreters, if you will. He writes several books. But the courage part, you know, after the, the last two years, and, and the year we're going into, right, the pandemic's not gone, right? And so, you know, leaders, their confidence has been hurt a little, right? They're they're Maybe they're watching their profits run away, or their people are leaving, you know, what have you, all of that. And mm-hmm the courage to persevere through that. Yeah, we know we've got the right product. We know we're in the right market. We've got a good reputation. Yeah, we've taken some hits, but the leaders really do, it, 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 they gotta demonstrate courage. And the only way they're gonna do that is if you link it right back up to being inwardly sound. You know, the way that you brought it down. And that's a big one because, look, especially men. Oh, we're good. We're everything's great. We want to be strong. We never want to show any weaknesses. But then we get behind closed doors, and we're like, holy crap, we just, you know. <laughs> <our profit." laughs> and uh, and and to that point, I'll just I'll pull up to this last point because what Benjamin's talking about that happens all the time in the room. And, and we, like Ben said, I mean, we, it, it's physically manifested in the room, multiple different ways, different people. And then we have to have the courage to step in. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's, you know, that's not easy for, for, for a leader in that situation who have maybe has had some success, but now they're beaten a little bit, their, their confidence, their courage is down. Mm-hmm. And then of course we have others that have done well, but. That's what res- that really hit me um, about that, because as you know, I'm, I just love the book. I love the the, the teachings, the principles. I love uh, how you go into depth on the four um, bullets for each one. And uh, yeah, I, I, I it's, this is so new because we, you know, back in the day, nobody talked soft skills. My dad never talked soft skills in his businesses with us. Mm-hmm do it this way. I don't want to hear anything. Or Mm -hmm. if I I walked in on my dad, you know, when he was doing the books, he closed the book. It's just, you know, just, it was dictatorship. Right. Yeah. And and as it, as I have evolved my coaching practice and, you know, got 12 years, I haven't hit my 10,000 hours yet. I'm getting close, but I really, you know, it's, I'm just going to anchor it back to courage. We have to reinforce that with our clients. Like, Listen, you made it this far. You're, you're doing it. You're, mm-hmm. you're you're you've got to have the grit. I think that was another word. You know, good that's used it. as a descriptor. And you know, if you haven't read Angela Duckworth, read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's kind of where I landed on that. And I, you know, the I'm, I'm, every time I share some of this, I share the book or I share, hey, you might want to go check this out. But I give them the answers. Like, the <laughs> answers. and they're like, it's good. Chris, what is this <laughs> sound stuff? My, I know, I know. Don't freak out. I'm telling you it's gold. <laughs> so
1: anyway, I'll, I'm, I'm kind of pontificating, but I was going to uh, I was going to hold up the book and plug it. But I think I gave away all three of my copies. Uh, the book we keep <laughs> referencing is uh, Tim Spiker's the, the Only Leaders Worth Following. And we'll put that in the, the show notes. Uh, I think we could fill a whole episode talking about this idea of inwardly sound, and, and uh, Chris White and I often do. But take us to your number your number two here, your thought about consistent leadership.
2: All right. I, I, do, I want to say one thing to follow up to what Chris just said, if I could, and then we'll jump over to You see the interplay on these things, and it gets really interesting because as we talk about courage, and you have people that are doing – leaders that are doing courageous things in organizations – and you think about the role that being secure and settled plays in courage, especially the settled part. Because, you know, our friend John Ott, he, he, I quoted him in the book where he says, The person who's secure and settled says, I'm okay, and come what may, I'm okay. Now, that is, for those of you, you should, I mean, that is John Ott. He is so good with words. He comes up with stuff like that. The second half of that is aimed at the word, What does it mean to be settled? Come what may, I'm okay. When I'm a leader, that's basically, that's more about what's coming at me from the outside. So let's say that my courageous, you know, I stand up to the CEO at a time when I think he or she is making a bad decision. And I say, you know what? I think that now, now come what may, I'm okay. If, if he or she agrees with me, I'm okay. If he or she kicks me out of the room, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. So it's the courage that it's, there's this linkage, I think, between being inwardly sound and others focused and our ability to be courageous. It doesn't mean that we don't have fears. It means that if when we're more inwardly sound, I'm sorry, when we're more secure and settled, it allows us and enables us to be more courageous. Here's the thing I think about, though, is we move up. You know, we use a tree as the analogy, and this is who is below ground. But I want you to think about the cultivation of talent. Imagine I'm that department head who does stand up to the CEO and let's say it turns out to be a really good story for the organization. If I go to the people, think about the leaders I'm developing. If I don't have the courage to be vulnerable with them and say, I was, I was scared to do that. That was hard to do. Well, they just see the end result and they're like, oh, no problem for him. No problem. He just stepped in there and did that. And, and now I'm missing an opportunity. What If I'm going to develop somebody... And you talked earlier, like, well, wait a second. Are we going to really talk about this stuff? Well, only if we want to have great leaders is the answer to that one. Only So for me to be able to go to the people I'm developing and say, that was scary for me. And I stepped into it and I did it anyway. I had to practice being courageous. It feeds on itself versus me just kind of, you know, shaking the dust off my uh, shoulder and saying, yeah, I did that. Like. It, we're not, we have to develop the leaders that are coming behind us in these ways. And we can't do that if we don't have some of the vulnerability that allows us to say, for example, in this example, hey, that was a, that was a hard thing for me. That was a scary thing for me. But I decided it was in the best interest of the organization. And so I stepped into it. And, and man, if I see my leader telling me that he or she had to be courageous in the executive committee room, then then I know that there's, hey, what if, what if we're talking about every quarter, where are the opportunities to be courageous? What if that's part of our ongoing conversation about becoming a great leader? I tell people all the time, if you want to have world-class leadership in your organizations, you have to have world-class conversations about leadership. And if you're not willing to talk about who, then you're not going to be able to have world-class conversations. I am so glad. Sorry, that was my no, 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 no. To
1: Chris. I'm so glad bad. you <laughs> went back to that because that that's a brilliant challenge that I'm going to accept because I think I model well, but I am really bad at sharing what's happening behind the curtain of my facade when I'm doing mm. it. And so there, I'm mm. absolutely at jeopardy for doing exactly what you said. So I appreciate going back because that's that's a great challenge for me. I'm, I'm glad you went there. If you're running a business, I've got something for you. Whether you're running System and Soul, another framework, or you've been listening for a while and you know you need to be doing something. You have spreadsheets everywhere with different priorities, different objectives, different to-dos, an org chart somewhere. It's messy, it's hard to track, and it gets abandoned over time. We know because we've seen it and we've been there. That's why we've created S2 Sync. It's all in one app for your business, from communicating the big picture all the way down to the actions that your team needs to take and the things they need to focus on. We're gonna give you a customizable platform to track, store, and collaborate with your teams as you implement your business framework. So never miss a beat. Inside S2 app, you can build out your long-term vision in the S2 roadmap. You can track weekly and monthly KPIs for your team and individual members on your custom scoreboard. You can organize and outline quarterly objectives with all of the important details, assign ongoing actions, keep a list of your important obstacles, opportunities, and updates you need to discuss in your weekly Sync team meetings, and so much more. You can access your free trial of the S2 app today. Just go to S2Sync.com. That's S2, the number, S Y N C.com.
2: So, consistent leadership narrative is our next one. Here's what I mean by that. I, I worked for the consulting, the leadership division of a, of a small boutique consulting firm for a number of years. And we had a very large client, $4 billion. Well, I guess it depends on your definition of large. I think $4 billion is a pretty decent size organization. And they asked us to help them with leadership development. And by my observation, they, they kind of said, they kind of opened the door and said, go ahead. And I thought that that was odd. I thought that that was interesting that they weren't poking and prodding around. Now, perhaps I could have taken that as the sign of ultimate compliment that they were just so confident in what we were doing. But the truth is, I could have said anything. I could, I mean, what, what leadership story am I going to say here today? Is it going to be, how sound is it going to be? How good is it going to be? And we see a different version of that in organizations that don't have a consistent leadership narrative. What is the story that I am being told to learn about leadership? And most of the time, the answer is, it depends on the person I'm reporting to. Who am I reporting to? Now, they're, they're, they're unlikely to say, you know, 180 degrees, totally wrong direction. But when you, when you have kind of not really the same story going on in an organization – it's very tough to create organizational momentum in the direction of truth and consistency and accuracy. And and do you really want to look throughout the middle management ranks of your organization where your future executives are going to be? And do you really want to look at that and say, well, I hope they're reporting to the right person. I hope that they happen to get the luck of the draw of somebody who really knows their stuff. And I don't think we want that as organizations. I think we want to be more... I would think we want to have more precision and more consistency. And so this is the this is one of the soapboxes I get on, which is to say, I believe that every organization should have a consistent leadership narrative. Now, we can debate about what goes in that narrative. We can debate what it looks like. We can debate the truth that should be or shouldn't be in there. But I think every organization should have one so that from your very first leadership opportunity, until you become CEO, the general arc of narrative about leadership is consistent so that when I get promoted from uh, from the assistant department manager to department manager, we're not going to start over and you know start over the leadership story. We're just going to say the narrative has been consistent. You know the principles of leadership. We've been sharing them here for a decade. Now let's talk about, how do they get applied contextually? A little bit different in a department manager position than in your assistant department, assistant department manager. And now, our our elevation of our learning is about context, not about the principles. And we're not starting over. And the whole idea of organic leadership development that happens at the water cooler, you know, when we're back at water coolers, but so at the water cooler, um, in the side meeting, like it's not. We're not starting over. We're not getting a new flavor we have a consistency that we can depend on i think ultimately that is the key to the most efficient kind of leadership development organizations where that story that narrative doesn't change from leader to leader to leader so
1: so chris chris has been doing these uh workshops for years um teaching management um so i i bet he's got some ideas but i want to know from you tim like some some context, like if it's your organization and you have these leadership principles to create this consistent narrative, what are your top three or four? For for example, and you know, giving us some, some hints here, what what are well, what are the what it goes on that document in your mind? What are some of the types of things? Well, in the work that we do,
2: our consistent leadership narrative is called the leadership tree. And because we believe the tree is a wonderful example of a leader because every single tree that you look at on planet Earth is a little bit different, but they're all made up of the same parts. You've got roots, you've got trunks, you've got trees, and then I suppose you've got either needles or leaves. But the the point is, is there's a root system for every single tree. And so if you ask for four pieces, I would say there's two key pieces in the roots, and we've mentioned them here already, already, inwardly sound and others focused. The roots are the who of leadership, and they feed everything else that happens. When you go up above ground into the pieces of the tree that we can visually see, I think you could generally take the things that leaders do and put them into two very broad buckets. They focus the organization and they fuel its people. And we could get into the five pieces of focus and the three pieces of fuel, but without kind of getting too much into the weeds there, I think that those are the four things. And then surrounding those four things is this word that I brought up a moment ago is context. Let's make sure that we understand context. And the reason I think that's so important is because let me use the military for an example. There's a lot there are a lot of great leadership lessons to be learned from the military. However, I have yet to have a day in my career when I army crawled with live ammunition over my head into the office. Because that's not that literal battle perspective is not the environment in which i'm leading. And so how do we separate the two becomes really important? How do we separate the principle from its context so that we can hold on to the principle but then make adjustments based on the context. So if its focus and fueling people are what leaders do, if inwardly sound and others focused are who leaders are, surrounding all of that is awareness of contextual application. Those are the that, that's what i would call, that's what we use with our clients as a consistent leadership narrative
1: my gosh tim i really think you could do this for a living
2: <laughs> thank you benj thank you that is a that is that's helpful to know
1: <laughs> i mean keep that's your great. options open but you might be onto something <laughs> um i don't even know what to ask you or to dive into that or conversate about, because it's so clear and so just rock solid. And it's one of those things you can't unhear. It's like, if I don't go create a consistent leadership narrative for my company after this conversation, I'm absolutely failing my organization.
0: Uh, Let me, let me, let me pose this, right? And Ben, you've seen this um, and, and I'm sure Tim, you have too um but when you like when we're in the session room usually there's going to be one or two that are pretty much closed off and getting vulnerable is not in their vocabulary mm-hmm. but they're they're they are they are they are a good leader I mean they, they they're not a great leader yet but they're a good leader and I want to invest in them but they're not willing to be vulnerable. How do I, how do I, I mean, that's a, that's human nature, right? None of us really want conflict, we seem harmony, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, not everybody's wired the same, clearly, but, and we know people who are a little buttoned up, hold their cards tight to the chest. Yeah. And, and, and nine out of 10 times they'll say something, ah, I don't see the value in this, mm-hmm. right? Because they're yeah. afraid, they have fear. Yeah. How, what, how
2: do you overcome that? Well, a, there's no guarantee that you can. That's where that would start. My one of one of somebody that I take cues from that I just, in, especially in this particular question that you're asking, is Jim Collins. I love Jim Collins' response to people who didn't agree with his his research, and he he wasn't combative. He wasn't defensive. He just said, "Look, you can try." anything that you want to. You can go a totally different route. I am just here to share with you what the research says. You if you've got another thing that you want to try, absolutely go for it. That's that's totally your call. I'm just here's the numbers. Here's where it came from. Here's how we crunched it. Here's how we've applied it with other clients. Here's what they've done. I'm just sharing that with you and you absolutely can ignore all of that that's totally up to you and he wasn't you know he wasn't a jerk about it he just said look i that's what we're doing and i think you know take into account the experience that the two of you have had um and in terms of building system and soul and and really frankly if you think more specifically why the soul part exists of system and soul and how you've been nurturing that and seeing that you know i i would see potentially a similar opportunity for you to to say to somebody look, you don't have to get on board with this. But I am sharing with you what I've seen over the last 12 years, I am sharing with you, you know, the pieces that that are part of system and soul that that do have research and data behind them, you say, Look, this is, this is what I've seen. And if you're, you know, if you're integrating some of our work with who not what you can say, like, here's, here's what this research research says, and you can ignore all of that. And I, I've had clients who have just they, they've paid lip service to it. They've kind of pretended. One of one of the best examples I can think of is that a senior executive in a in a publicly traded you know multi billion dollar multinational company, and this one executive was really smart. I remember the first day I was in the room with her, and oh my gosh, it was amazing. I'm like, this person is of a stunning intellect, a stunning intellect. I got a chance to work with that executive team for a number of years. And what I began to tell is that this person was willing to have great conversations in the moment, but the work that we were doing in between really wasn't getting done. The feedback that I was getting about the in-between was it was pretty surface level, and we don't really do surface level work, so that I could tell. And, and then eventually, there was an opportunity to do some one-on-one coaching. And I got a lot of head nods and a lot of yeses, and then the deeper work, the looking in the mirror, the personal investigation, it wouldn't happen. And then a very interesting thing happened as things began to change around that executive team and it was time for the senior leader, the CEO, was going to be moving on. I had multiple people come to me privately on the side and say, I know that she's a candidate, but if she gets into the seat, I'm out of here. And look, she wasn't a bad person. I really enjoyed her as a professional, but she was unwilling to walk the path. She was unwilling to go that next step. And her intellect was not going to overcome the reality of whether or not people wanted to follow her with their lives, with their vocations, with their energy. And so I would share a story like that and say, hey, it's totally up to any one of you. And maybe you're just at a time of life where... This work is too difficult for whatever reason, to which I would say, all right, we'll check it out a year from now or check it out. To, I mean, I know when you're in a session, you, don't, you can't really excuse them. I get that. But I'm saying I feel like sometimes we have to, with with courage and compassion, put the truth in front of people as winsomely as we can and not think bad thoughts about them if they choose to walk away or not engage and just know that people always have choice. That's hard to say, because I want. I want great leadership for everybody. I want great leadership for every organization. I know it impacts our lives, but that's those are that's my thoughts on whether or not people want to engage.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm working with clients who struggle with that. Um, the ones that want to work through it, which is a good sign. You know, I'm like, listen. Well, there's 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 a lot of responsibility here at this level, no doubt. But one thing you need to keep in mind is that all eyes are on you guys. As you go, so go they. Mm -hmm. So we just keep that in mind. And if you're not ready today, I I kind of do the same thing. I say, that's okay. It's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. But I just hope that you work on it. Because your direct reports are looking for your leadership.
2: Well, and and, and think about this, what we were just talking about a second ago in consistent leadership narrative. What if... In your organization, part of the consistent leadership narrative is that we're gonna work to be leaders who are inwardly sound. Now, when that person chooses not to participate, and that is the culture and perspective on leadership we have, it really stands out. If we don't have a consistent leadership narrative, that has inwardly sound then it almost feels like ah oh, matter of opinion potato potato i mean you can bring the research and say but the organization hasn't adopted it at that point it's easier for a senior leader to walk away from it at that point but not if we have a consistent leadership narrative for the entire organization
3: hey podcast listeners system and soul coach bill green here i'd like to share an s2 tip with you today as i work with clients to help them gain clarity and control Today's tip is designed to help you get into a strong weekly sync cadence right out of the gate. Schedule a virtual call as soon as possible after your first weekly sync meeting coming out of your Clarity Day 1 session. There will likely be some loose ends or questions around the foundational tools. Have the S2 coach model the virtual session as an actual weekly sync meeting. From the check-in through the cadence of scoreboard, objectives, and actions from Day 1, opportunities and obstacles will arise. Drop those items to the opportunities list and lead a DAT session to address them together. Be sure to leave time at the end to commit and conclude and rate the meeting. While the concept of a weekly sync meeting seems simple enough, executing on it, especially if great meetings haven't been your thing, can be challenging at first. Modeling the simplicity of the weekly sync early will lead to mastery. Hope this helps you and enjoy the rest of the podcast.
1: Uh, Tim, for the sake of time, let's head straight into that, that third one. Go first. All right. Go first. Interestingly, this has a connection,
2: a strong connection into courage. It also has a strong connection on the other's focus side of things in humility. And I just encourage leaders that when it comes to finding fault in process, in a circumstance, go first. Find your contribution first. Find the place the thing, now maybe it's not the thing you did. Maybe it's the thing you omitted. Maybe it's the thing you should have done that you didn't do. And maybe you would say, How could I have possibly known that ahead of time? Well, maybe you couldn't have, but now you know. <laughs> and now you can look back and say, Okay, now if I had had that lesson two years ago, then that would have been the right thing to do. But I find that if, if in most cases, it's not 100%, but in most cases, when leaders choose to go first, courageously own their contribution to problems or challenges or outcomes that weren't what they wanted ideally. Most of the time, the other people in the room will follow suit. It's really interesting what happens when we own our piece first. And now the person to the right of me says, well, let me see what I contributed to this that I could have done better. And the person to the left says, well, let me see what I contributed. The net reality, if we do this over and over again consistently and and make it the part of the way in which we troubleshoot the way in which we make things better, we become that that rare but precious reality that nearly every organization is after is we become a fast-learning organization because it's not about the whole blame process. It's not about how do I avoid that. It's like, okay, I own my piece. You own your piece. We own our piece. Now let's solve it. Now let's make it better. It's not about pinning somebody at the wall or getting rid of them or, or whatever the case may be. I'm saying if, if we as leaders can practice courage and practice humility in going first and owning it. And you know, the, 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 the book and the kind of the, I think the person that says this just about as well as anybody is Jocko Willick in, in extreme ownership. It's the first chapter of the book. I, I personally think it's the best chapter in the book. It's really, it's really clear to say, you know, it's, it's very much, it's the buck stops with me and we as leaders, no matter what happens, we've made a contribution. I mean, I've got some moments in my own life where I was like, I didn't make any contribution. Six months later, I was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. It took it took me, you know, my humility wasn't there. My, my anger, once somebody else got in the way, whatever. It took me a little while, but there's always something that I could have done better. So I, I encourage leaders to set the pace, set the example courageously with humility, going first and owning their contributions.
1: You you set the context for that so well, because I, like there was a, like a hot minute where everybody was, talking about celebrating failures as like a cultural <laughs> norm. I'm like, I I just don't think that's quite it. Like, I know what they were trying to do, but the idea of yeah. celebrating failures like uh, like just always sat funny with me, but I, I, this, this frames the solution a lot more uh, advantageously for the organization. I love that. Uh, Tim, you are uh, a bit of a legend in our world because you've been around before we even got to know you, got to talk to you, but it's been a pleasure. And um, I'm hoping that we you can be a regular as you continue to uh, learn and, and hone your craft. And as we continue to steal all of your insights and integrate them into <laughs> System of Soul. Uh, I think we do
0: a series with Tim yeah. Spiker. That's yeah. what we should do.
1: It'll be like well, a regular... Se- hey, we can do whatever we want because we're starting series uh, season five right now. So. Hey, listen, I'm
0: going first. I know that.
1: Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, hey, Ben, what,
2: what I want to say to both of you gentlemen is that um, I really am excited about how you are bringing uh, the organizational soul and the system execution to be alongside this Who-based work. I think it's so important because sometimes people can look at me and look at the research that I share and talk about that. And, and because I don't get deeply into the systems side of things, they can kind of dismiss it a little bit. They can say, oh, wait, no. I mean, it's really – now, I draw them back to say, here's the connection between who you are and execution. And, and we show that all the time. But I, I really appreciate how the two of you are integrating all of this together to bring the the, big, the biggest bundle of value and truth to people that really helps them across the board. So I'm, I appreciate the nice words you're saying to me, but I, I really appreciate where you guys are going and what you're doing.
1: And likewise, we don't do that deep, heavy lifting work with the one-on-one stuff. So tell everybody where they can find out more about Tim Spiker, and we'll make sure that the links to your book are in the show Thanks. notes. Thanks. I mean, the easiest place is
2: BeWorthFollowing.com. BeWorthFollowing.com. Heck yeah.
1: All right, man, there's nobody that's listening that's not inspired and probably has homework. So let's all go do it. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Chris.